Welcome to Let's Talk Fleet Risk, a podcast for those who manage drivers and their vehicles and want to reduce road risk in their organisation. Hello everyone and welcome to the August edition of Let's Talk Fleet Risk. A driving for better business, we're currently focused on promoting the business benefits that flow from the good management of drivers and how strong leadership is key to this. My guest this month is Stuart Lightbody. Stuart is a former fleet manager with experience running very large fleets with thousands of vehicles for companies like Siemens, Kia, Anglian Water and M Group. And he's also currently the deputy chairman for the Association of Fleet Professionals. Stuart's a recent winner of the Fleet News Fleet Manager of the Year Award. Uh, However, he's now decided to use that experience to help others and last year joined Drive Consulting as Fleet Innovation and EV Manager. Stuart, welcome to the show. Thanks, Simon. Stuart, we showcase on the Driving for Better Business website some amazing achievements from organisations that manage road risk well, you know, to a high standard. They show significant reductions in collisions and equally significant improvements in business efficiency, um, improvements in performance, reductions uh, in costs. They're able to control those costs much better and improvements in sustainability. How important is strong leadership in driver risk management to delivering those achievements? In my experience, it's critical is a fleet managers normally aspire to, to go out and do the best for, for the business and supporting their drivers. But sometimes the results coming back or things that are needed to make those changes require some biz, uh, significant business input and a sign off really at board level as well in a lot of cases. This, from my experience, again, is largely down to the fact is you're looking at human behaviour. So as you're trying to make decisions and, and changes to the way the business operates and supporting the drivers to show that there can be a better way, then that might actually mean having to make some fairly you know, chunky decisions on, on the way the business operates and what uh, you know, the organisation is prepared to accept and also at what level is escalations need to kick in in order to take some kind of action where it's needed. Uh, and what's your experience of, of how well business leaders understand the need to do this um, and their understanding of, of how much it can improve sort of business performance? Um, I suppose it's been mixed is I've seen, uh, I've worked in organisations who have thoroughly embraced it and actually can learn to understand and really share the benefits and enjoy the benefits of, of where those changes have have made a difference to, to what goes on out on the road. Um, you know, reductions in, in collisions and incidents, keeping drivers safer, improving drivers' well-being and, you know, and how they actually spend their day. You know, so it's less stressful doing what, you know, what they're paid to do on a day-to-day basis. Um, but also some that actually that I think it's in the too difficult to do box, where actually because you're talking about human beings and trying to influence behavior, and in fact, sometimes these decisions take longer to materialise or for those benefits to, to be realised than maybe you know, the business is comfortable with. They want, to, you know, they want a, a kind of a quicker bang for their buck because it, this, these are human beings who are trying to, you know, trying to educate and support to do, um, to do things in a different way. It can take longer to, for the, some of those benefits to come through. So some drivers get it really quickly, embrace it and, and kind of, move on quite quick others 
uh, are less convinced and, and take some time to be supportive and some just choose never to get it because they don't think it applies to them so it is quite difficult um to i suppose predict when some of those benefits will, will come live but you know business leaders need to understand that this is you know still in the difficult to do box because it is about changing human behavior yeah i, I mean your experience is obviously running larger larger fleets but you know this is something that businesses of any size can can see benefits from isn't it even if even if you're only running a smaller fleet with maybe half a dozen or 20 vans or something and you might not even have a full-time fleet manager or or driver risk manager you can still see benefits even at the smaller end of the of the scale can't you absolutely is you know I like to think, you know, running a fleet can be anywhere between one vehicle and, you know, and however big a number you want to put at it, you know, some of the super fleets in the UK, 50,000 plus or more, is the responsibilities are still the same. So actually getting those fundamentals right, whether it be policy decisions, driver buy-in, um, driver engagement into what you're trying to achieve is important because in some ways it's, it might be easier to have one driver because you can have that one-to-one conversation getting those key messages out to 50,000, 100,000 employees and asking them all to you know, sign up and buy into the same thing can be more difficult. That's where the resource comes in. But the principles are still the same is, you know, good, good fleet management, whether you've got one car, one van, or you know, a, a motorbike, whatever it is, the principles are no different in my view. Mm. So, I mean, in order to show an improvement, you obviously have to set a baseline from from which you're going to improve, um, and it's quite easy to get swamped in data, especially as you just said. You know, with some of the larger fleets, there's all manner yeah. of metrics you can look at. So I was wondering what areas or metrics you think fleet managers should prioritise. Yeah, so very much dependent on the on the size of the fleet and also the data that's available. So in the early days is you know, having to work from things like fuel data, collision in an incident reports, um, looking at um, what goes on you know, and some of the details that come through from, from, from those notifications to try and understand and get a view of, I suppose, how things happened. You know, what was the human, human being involvement? What could have changed? What could be done different? Um, you know, looking at cost base, you know, those things coming through on, on a monthly basis through your PL and go, that's not quite what we expected or what we budgeted for, and looking at those variances. As the fleets I managed got bigger, you know, we, we started to invest in telematics, which is then you can absolutely get swamped with data because you've got thousands of vehicles doing potentially tens or hundreds of different journeys a day. All that data aggregated coming through is very difficult to kind of see the wood for the trees. So, <laughs> excuse me, it's about being very clear about what your objectives are. Pick some key areas and key targets that you, know, you think you can measure now. Um, from my experience is, is doing um, analysis of my data pre-installation of telematics, for example, gave me a, a great base to work from. So have we done, have we changed nothing? This is what I would have expected it to continue like. And then actually, from day one of the telematics install is tracking performance from then on and actually see what, just by putting the boxes in, you know, just you will start to see a change in behavior from some drivers because they've become very aware that they're being monitored 
and from, you know, again, I think was the phrase, what gets uh, monitored or what gets uh, measured gets managed. So some people get it straight away and they will start to change it and drive the paper and so you can track the progress. You want to see where your, your wins are coming from. Is it from the drivers get it now or are they just trying to get by to not manage and not appear anywhere on a, on a list somewhere by kind of some middle ground performance and then you'll also see the ones who really just don't get it and don't understand that these uh, rules and regulations about driving apply to them and they will kind of fall to the bottom so absolutely having a, a clear view of what normal looks like today and then what your new normal post telematics uh, looks like and then track that progress over time because what i found when i did that i, I did the same piece of work for probably about three years after the day one install. And you're looking for those continuing trends. You know, is, you know, are the driving behaviours, are, are the results seasonal? You know, is there a change of behaviour when drivers leave or when you induct new drivers? So literally being able to sift through that data, you can really start to understand. Um, it takes a little bit of investment from, from either fleet manager or you know, someone who's going to manage that data for you. Because if you just look at it, you open that box and you kind of go, my goodness, how am I supposed to deal with all this? You've got to just find something to hang your hat on and just start measuring. Start anywhere. Pick one thing. Pick two things, if you like. But do something. Don't just be overwhelmed by the data and think, this is too big. I just can't do it. Yeah, you you, you covered um, uh, started to talk about some of the experience uh, you've had um, in, in that. Uh, area with with the fleets that you've worked with uh, in the past. What you know? What were some of the key challenges that you faced as a fleet manager, and how did you identify that that was a challenge, and, and what did you then do to try and sort of turn that round? Could you sort of dig into a couple of those in a little bit more detail? Yeah. So, so my first real experience of, of telematics was at Anglian Water. Is when I first joined in 2014. We just they'd just gone live with a. Um, with a new supplier so they'd actually done the piece of work and committed to fitting a telematics to try and understand and measure fuel performance and i suppose it the challenge is once you've opened that box and you kind of is you know you commit to doing something with it which which as a team as an organization we absolutely did so when we first got the the first kind of month's reports through it's kind of a bit of an eye opener but we kind of needed to know what the normal looked like and that was it so i think then communicating that um to the wider business is finding your key stakeholders um at all levels so it's someone in you know, or teams of people in your operational support teams who look after the drivers as fleet managers i think rarely do we have direct responsibility for allocation of the driver's work or you know, or, you know what they actually do on an operational basis all we get to see is actually the driving element of it. So it's been able to put the driving at the same level in, across the organization is actually what the day-to-day -day job is. You know, a, a lot of drivers, certainly van drivers, are they could be engineers, could be plumbers, electricians, whatever it is they do, whatever it is their trade you know, and they specialize in, they don't see themselves as drivers. So I think is trying to get that part of their day-to-day -day work or day-to-day -day life at the same level as what the business sees them as doing as they you know what they've been trained to do is is a challenge 
And, and I think also then is where you start to see performance coming through or some data coming through that maybe you want to address or have a, a, a greater look at is getting those those leadership teams on the operational side to understand that you're not necessarily criticizing all you're doing is showing them where this driver is and actually in comparison to another driver another set of drivers whatever it is just to try and so they can see that potentially there is something through coaching and supporting that driver through one-to-one -one conversations is you can actually get that driver to improve it's not going to happen overnight you know it's this is in a lot of cases a slow burn because you're trying to unravel potentially 30 40 years of driver uh, experience and driver habit and actually it's not until you you see in black and white sometimes that you actually see what your driving performance looks like and for some drivers that can be quite intimidating so i think it's is that trying to pick the message you know and make sure you're not going to throw rocks at people you know whether it be within the business or the driver all you're trying to say is potentially there is a better way and i think there is scope for improvement and this is what some of the benefits could look like reduce spend on your fuel you know reduce instant collision you know, less grief less hassle for the driver they're going to get to their first job in a better frame of mind and because I still think this is still for a lot of organizations in the difficult to do box. These can not necessarily be easy messages to, to get across and to land because um, it's still, I don't think the driving element is still as key as general health and safety, which, you know, I work with a lot of fleet managers, uh, you know, in, in my day to day, but also through the uh, AFP is, you know, is getting to uh, drivers to acknowledge that the driving element of their day is as important as the health and safety activity when they finally get to their first job on site, wherever it is. Um, you, you mentioned in in there that you're you're obviously looking at reports on a regular basis, and you have got data coming in. Um, mm -hmm. How uh, how important is you know there's more than you in the business needs to see that data, and you mentioned that you were sharing some of the. Um, outputs from that with operational teams so they can understand yes. what's going on with specific drivers so how do you go about impressing on others in the business why this data is so important and and getting them to make Im improvements you know i guess in a bigger business you've got uh you've got to push that data up and get the board to look at it on a regular basis and realize how important it is in a smaller business you, you've probably got other stakeholders as well uh who, who are maybe got looking at driver risk as a part-time role, for instance, and, and maybe they've got other focuses. So how do you ensure that sort of people understand the importance of that? I think it's it's tailoring the message. So I think in, in the early days, I probably made the mistake of almost kind of being a one-trick pony because it was my view. And you know, in my mind, I could probably see there was a better way or actually, even something like MGZs, you know, if, if our average was I don't know, 25 miles to the gallon out of a large panel van, you know, I thought actually, you know, I think we should be pushing 30. It was almost subjective from my point as to what that target should be. So I was pushing, so, you know, we need to aim from people going, why? So I think I learned the lesson of tailoring the message to every stakeholder. You know, by understanding who they are, where they were in the business, you know, what their objectives were, what their views on, on, the, on the subject were. 
I could deliver it in a slightly different way. So there'll be some who are very um, finance driven. So actually, I go, if we're going to push from 25 to 30 miles per gallon, for example, or, or if we're going to reduce our collision rate from by 10%, if I put into monetary terms for them, and they could see how that was going to hit their bottom line, just they could probably make that transition to go, I can see the value of having a one-to-one conversation with my driver. And, you know, and if they do these small things, then we'll kind of, you know, when you reduce your harsh braking or want to you know, be a little less heavy on your acceleration, if I can put it into pounds and pence for them and they can multiply it by their drivers within their in the teams, then that was it. No, that was very much something they could they could buy into. Others were very different, is they weren't interested in the financial thing. They were actually interested in the well-being and safety of the driver because they were they're very human and kind of um, and support-based individuals. So I think it's knowing your audience. And tailoring the message so whatever it is they want to achieve, they can see how I could help them achieve. I found that was the best way of gaining their buying, especially over time. You know, when we started in track performance and show that you know, we could show that continuing downward trend on their fuel spend, for example, or their continued uptime because um, they're the drivers on the road more often because they were having less instance. Then you can start to have you know wider conversations about you know we talked about you know and you can now see and they can then buy into what we're trying to achieve but if you just go in and just go i want you to do this if they don't understand what it means for them or their drivers then they're less likely to become engaged yeah i think that's really important it's so important to have everybody um sort of pulling in the same direction and and different people in different areas of the business understanding how it impacts them um you know and their and, and their particular area of the business or their job role because it, it it does have different impacts on different people so um you, you're obviously working with a number of fleets at drive and and you're speaking to lots of fleet managers in your your role at the afp um are there any areas of managing driver risk at the moment that they're particularly concerned about or, or maybe areas that you you can see that they're missing i think it's the you know we kind of covered it earlier on it's it's the sheer amount of data and i think fleet managers and again i've, I've been doing uh, around fleets for forever 20 years now I've been in the motor industry for 30 it's you know i think everything's a fleet manager's job is is the kind of the, the perfect role. You get to look at shiny new metal, you get to talk to drivers about their, uh, their, their new company car order and whatnot, but actually it's much bigger than that. And I think it used to be more like that. I think now it's uh, the progressive fleet manager is, is truly understands you know, the, the, the risk, is, is, is more of a risk management role now rather than an asset management. So it is having you know, the understanding of their drivers, um, but also, in fact, it's a lot of fleet managers tend to work in isolation. And that's what I find in, in, in talking to my into colleagues in the industry. It can be quite a lonely role to some degree because it feels like you're kind of trying to change the world from inside your own organisation. So <laughs> I think the challenge for, for a lot of them, a lot of us, is understanding who your key stakeholders are. And, you know, and because managing driver risk feels like it kind of sits on the fleet manager's shoulders and actually as I said before is largely we don't put the, the drivers to work so it's it, it feels almost kind of like um, 
you know, the poison chalice because you have this awareness and understanding of what's going on, but you don't necessarily have everything at your disposal to make the changes you need or have direct access to the drivers to do something different. So I think it's that intimidation piece of it is a very big subject and there are lots of opportunities um, to improve safety, well-being, reduce costs, etc., etc. But it's it's not all in the gift of the fleet manager. So I think it's that's what I find now is starting to feel maybe more isolated than ever, simply because of the sheer amount of change that's coming through at the moment in the industry. You know, we're in unprecedented times for lots of different things. You know, delays in new vehicles, the electrification journey, all these things that are new and happening really quickly, have then gone on top of what was, you know, in my view, a fantastic role, but a challenging one as fleet manager. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, now, your role at Drive also includes EVs. Um, yes. Are there any areas of risk management that people should be looking at if they're new to EVs? Um, I think the EV transition for a lot of a lot of fleets is. I think there's a lot of a lot of fleet managers feel under pressure that they have to electrify everything now. That's not the case. Company cars are going anyway. You know the taxation legislation is driving that change, and you know and is having is is having significant um, increases in, in car number electric you know fully electric car numbers simply because of the benefit in car taxation. That's kind of that's that's heading in that direction. I think that's largely done. Other than the you know cost parity and understanding where your your total cost of ownership comes through is I think the carpet is. On the van side, it, it, I think it's it's far more confusing because trying to find an asset that's fit for purpose, you know, and it will do the job properly, and not run out of uh, of juice, you know, before the day is done, is not so clear. So, from a risk management perspective, consider electrification as part and parcel of what's happening. Don't put too much in 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 only on the electric vehicle elements because the biggest thing they can do is make sure that the driver induction piece is done but that should be happening with ice vehicles as well so moving from one vehicle to another it's very easy to say oh, i've driven around for 20 years and i'll go from one one manufacturer to another and it's no different so i'll, I'll be fine that handover piece is is always been really important and it isn't always delivered that successfully the advantages of moving to an EV for on, a, on a car or van need to be maximised if you're going to pre probably prevent maybe some cost creep because EVs tend to be fast off the line and you know, they, they, they're very quick, they drive differently. So make sure that you, your driver has embraced all the good things about running an EV on a car or a van. So make sure they understand how the battery regeneration works. You know, largely, um, don't break now, certainly on my EV, unless in, in, in a kind of emergency situation, because if I use the um, regeneration, as I'm driving around and I'm managing my journey, I can actually effectively top up my, my, fuel, my fuel level. That's a really important piece from a risk manager because if you don't do that, and you know, the drivers are just uh, hooning around with all this newfound power they found with their electric vehicles, 
that could be a wasted opportunity for you know for lots of opportunity to um not make the most of of their ev range um so i think there are there are lots of things that should be happening anyway but probably haven't been as strong or as good as they could have been and with the evs if you want to maximize the opportunity of all the good stuff of moving out to an electric vehicle it becomes more critical I think um, it, that highlights one of those um, challenges that you kind of mentioned earlier anyway about uh, when you were talking about how fleet managers can feel isolated and it can be uh, a bit of a lo lonely role. And obviously managing EVs is is something they've got to get on top of fairly quickly. And there's other challenges like that as well. So, but I guess sort of supporting fleet managers with some of those challenges is, is exactly what the AFP uh, is all about, isn't it? So do you, do you want to just talk a little bit about what the benefits are of the AFP and, and how that can support um, fleet managers with some of these challenges? Absolutely. So, you know, it's, so in my role as drive, I do it on a one-to-one -one basis. What the AFP does, you know, is, is through, through a number of different means. So we have a number of committees that uh, we've set up. I chair two, um, ironically, the LCV one, and I co-chair it with Paul Pollock on the on the EV and the, the electrification or alternative fuels one. So, you know, we have in our membership you know, some of the largest fleets in the UK. Um, we have some fantastic um, fleet service providers who are you know, infinite um, sources of, of, of knowledge and, and experience. So we get together, we talk about these things and we understand from, our, from the uh, membership population and from the industry, what the challenges are. And we kind of get together and try to put some things in place, um, best practice documents and policy documents and, and ways and means of, of, of making that journey. So actually, if you find yourself in that boat and you're not quite sure where to go is a lot of the questions you're probably asking yourself or being asked internally we've already covered so rather than trying to reinvent the wheel is it might be worth looking at kind of the faqs or some of the uh, the knowledge and wisdom that is on our website and actually invest in in the membership and that's not me just kind of pushing out of it because so we are the voice of the fleet operator you know we are there to protect and you know, speak on behalf of, of you know, anybody running fleets in the uk cars and vans and it's very clear that that is you know, we are we kind of we have no preference on we support um our membership who run vehicles of any type and actually, membership uh, and the benefits of the membership is you know, we have a lot of these things already done because we spend our time you know, working with people who have already made the journey and you know, who are prepared to share what they've learned, including my, my own journey in, in the company that I ran, and really trying to make that transition easier for organisations because it's happening anyway. And rather than spend the time running down rabbit holes like I did as an early adopter, we can hopefully make their their kind of electrification journey easier and, and start them you know, down that road much quicker. So it's happening anyway. If you can get there quicker and you know, do as much as you can earlier, then it actually puts you in a really strong position. So so they're they're learning from the experiences of, of obviously the, the wide range of membership that you've got in the AFP. So I wonder, as a, as a final question, what's the uh, key lesson you've learned from your days as a fleet manager, sort of final words of wisdom for um, for our audience? It's a great question. So I think you know, 
my, my journey uh, over the last 20 years has been a continual learning one. So what I what I thought probably if being a fleet manager was and what it was 20 years ago, it definitely is not is not like that anymore. It, it's fundamentally different. So I suppose it's try not to look at things uh, one dimensionally. You know, we talked about um, telematics earlier. Normally, when you make that business decision or you can get the business case signed off, it's you're chasing one metric. You know, it might be you want to reduce your collisions and incidents, or you want to improve your fuel energy, or you want to stop. You, know, you want to reduce speeding in your organisation. Is actually all those things are achievable together? So it is. If you're going to invest in something, make sure you get the most out of it. You maximise that kind of uh, investment because. I found through, and I'm not endorsing telematics in, in, in isolation, it's, every business has to go through its own journey. But actually, if, if you do invest in something like that, then make sure you look at every opportunity that that will, that will come out of it. I learned more about how I fully operated in my first year with telematics than I did probably. I could spend three years talking to people and, and wouldn't have gained the same level of insight. But I, I proactively chose to do something more with the data than I was given. It's very easy, you know, we talked about uh, being swamped by data, you know, and you just kind of put the lid back on the box and go, you know, I'll come back to it. Once you've opened that lid, you may as well, you know, you kind of um, engage yourself in, in doing most with it, because it, I think that's where the rewards come from. And they can be slow burn, but actually is, if you look at a holistic view and try to change things slowly than going over kind of one big, big bang because invariably that gets come again from my experience and you do that it can be short-lived i was looking for a more organic change over time and just keep a track of, of where we're going just to make sure anything started to slip you know you can make you know, we have a couple of small levers just to tweak it and you know and don't just carry on down the same path because invariably things change all the time and that data will tell you where you need to step in and do something that's great advice. Um, thank you so much, Stuart, uh, for that. I've really enjoyed that conversation. I'll include some of the links uh, to the uh, the Drive website and the AFP website and your LinkedIn profile and uh, in the in the show notes. So if anyone wants to contact you, uh, they can. But thank you so much for sharing your insight with us. You're very welcome, Simon. My pleasure. If you manage drivers and their vehicles and you face similar issues to those discussed in this podcast, there are links in the show notes to some useful resources on the Driving for Better Business website, and these are all free to access. If you enjoyed the conversation, please don't forget to hit subscribe so you know when the next episode is released, and please also give us a five-star review as this helps us to get up the podcast rankings and makes it more visible to others who might also find it useful. You can follow us, that's Driving for Better Business, on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. And most importantly, please help us to spread the word. All our resources are free for those who manage fleets and their employees who drive for work. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk Fleet Risk and I look forward to welcoming you to the next episode. Brought to you by Driving for Better Business.